Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. There is a tradition where you bring a rock, a small rock or stone, from your home to uh, a place called the Cruz de Faro. Everyone kind of gets a, a personal moment there. Like the stone represents something that you want to leave behind. Maybe um, personal struggle, problem, something like that. You make your peace with whatever this rock represents, and then you leave it there. Welcome to Jump Podcast, formerly known as the Budget Minded Traveler. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, welcome back. We are kicking off a new series today uh, where we're going to dabble into the huge world of trekking holidays, basically trips that you take with the intention of hiking, uh, which may be a specific route or maybe a through hike or a pilgrimage, etc. And I say dabble because there are endless options for this kind of trip. And this is a subject that I personally would love to come back to again in a future series to cover even more options because hiking is one of my absolute favorite things. Um, you can probably tell that because of the nature of my trips. Um, I think hiking is a great way to experience not only a new place, but to activate the senses and connect you to nature and kind of slow things down and experience more of, you know, sort of off the beaten path, uh, back country experiences that you just don't come across in cities. Um, and so trekking holidays, here we come. Before we get into today's good stuff, I'm going to take a moment to thank our supporting partner for this episode, Escape Camper Vans. Have you heard of these guys yet? They are the largest camper van rental company in North America with over 600 vans and 12 depot stations across the US and Canada. And each and every one is uniquely painted by artists in LA. That's pretty cool. Uh, They can sleep up to four to five people because the table and benches flip up to create a queen bed. And then you can add a rooftop sleeper as well. Plus, they even have bedding and kitchen kits available for rent. So you don't even have to come prepared with all your gear. You can just rent and go. The vans fit into most tent sites and parking spots. So they are appropriate for off the beaten path travel. And rentals start at just $37 a day in low season. And guess what? They're hooking us up with a 10% discount. So just go to escapecampervans.com slash jump and enter the promo code JUMP10 to get 10% off of your first rental. Sweet. Thank you so much to Escape Camper Vans for offering this to us. I can't wait to hear some stories about your camper van rentals and where you're going to take them. All right, let's get back to our conversation for today. I've invited a buddy of mine from here in Montana who walked the Camino de Santiago. And if you don't know what that is, we'll explain. Uh, He's here to share some insider tips and details about the Pilgrim Hostels, pricing and booking, weather and sites along the way. Um, We get into how to pack for this journey and generally what to expect and what not to expect. Uh, His name is Bryson. And as you'll hear, he did this at the beginning of a midlife retirement, as he calls it, that ended up lasting 14 months. Um, So let's go ahead and get into that. All right. Well, I am here with uh, my buddy Bryson. Hey, Bryson. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Jackie. I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I I can't believe it's taken me this long to cover this subject, but I am stoked to have you on the show today because you have done the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which if I just said that way too fast, I just said the Camino de Santiago. (laughs) I have to watch myself sometimes. Which is the pilgrimage that basically, I mean, there are lots of different routes of it, actually, but it crosses northern Spain. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard of that somehow, somewhere at some time. 
Um, and Bryson, like I was just telling you, you are the first person uh, who's going to talk about the Camino de Santiago on this show with me. And I, I just can't believe it's taken us this long. But anyway, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for taking the time to share with us. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. It's an honor to be on your podcast, finally. Yay! <laughs> I know, because have you, you've listened before, haven't you? Uh, yes, I'm a subscriber. Yay, cool. Um, and I've actually known you for years, because you're a fellow Montanan here in Bozeman. So that's also kind of a fun fact. So, okay, let's go ahead and get into the goods. First of all, when did you do this? Because it was actually, what, over... It was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was summer of 2017. 17. Okay, so not quite two years ago. Right. Will you tell us what is the Camino de Santiago? Let's start with that. So it's a pilgrimage, uh, historically a, a religious travel. And the story is, boy, I should have done a little more research on this. I knew it at one point. That's okay if you don't have everything technically correct. <laughs> I should know this, but I don't right now. Anyway, in English, it's called The Way of St. James. St. James had made his way to the end of the world at one point, uh, which is where the Camino de Santiago officially ends in a Finisterre in um, the autonomous community of Galicia in northwestern mm -hmm. Spain. And his followers have, uh, over the last hundreds of years, uh, made this pilgrimage starting in all points in Spain and uh, many points across Europe, making this pilgrimage to the end of the world in memory of St. James. So people do it now for, for various reasons. Try to keep the tradition alive, I suppose, um, by traveling minimally. I mean, it's, it's a long ways. Even the route I did was 500 miles, uh, 800 kilometers. I did it in, it was 31 days of walking and I took two days uh, just to get to know some places better that I had, would, had wandered through. Only two? Um, you only paused for two days? Even a long day of hiking would have been, I don't know, eight hours or so, starting at maybe five in the morning. Um, so wow. the days go long in Spain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> light till in the summer. Uh, mm. 10, 1030. So there's plenty of time to get to know some places uh, oh, cool. after the day's walk. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, just two days. And I did have a return flight purchased as well. So okay. I, I was on the calendar a little bit. I did have a bit of a deadline. Okay. So where, okay, there's there, I have so many questions. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to start. Well, how about let's start with the start, like which, which, um, which route did you do? Where did you start? So it's probably the most uh, most traveled and most famous route is called the French route. Yeah. It starts in uh, the south of France in St. Jean-Pied-de-Port. And isn't that... Um, okay, I have to ask you something. Have you seen The Way, the movie? Uh, you know, I haven't seen it all the way through. It's on the list. Oh my gosh, you haven't seen The Way? Okay, you guys have to watch The Way. It is so good it is such a good movie i think it like captures so well the travel the spirit of travel like the people that you come across the life-changingness like of a personal journey which is travel and things that can happen to you along the way and all of this but um it's starring um douglas michael douglas right and and um maybe yeah. I'm, I'm wait yeah terrible with, it's with emilio estevez Emilio Estevez is, is the yeah. kid. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, it is so good. I love that movie. But it's about, it's called The Way. It's about El Camino de Santiago, you know? And so he starts, um, I believe, in the same spot. And I just encourage you guys, if you have not seen this movie yet, go see this movie after listening to this episode. You'll be so stoked to go walk the Camino. <laughs> um, but okay, so you started in the same in the same place. So in the French Pyrenees. And what month was it when you did it? When did you do it? Yes, this was the very beginning of July. I think it was July 10th I started. I actually, before we get too far into this, I would like to ask you why you chose to go. If you don't mind sharing, you don't have to get too personal, like I said. But I, I know like from watching The Way, uh, <laughs> they um, one of the guys is actually, 
I didn't realize I was going to quote, like not quote, but like reference this movie so much throughout this. So we'll see how we go with this. But um, one of the guys in the movie is like, he has this thing where he asks, he's like taking notes. He's writing a book actually about, about it. And he's, he's asking everybody that he meets along the way, why they do it. And it's amazing because you realize that everybody has like a personal reason, like something different. Some people do it for health. Some people do it for religion. Some people are doing it for um, some side, some sort of a fitness goal, like uh, personal reasons. Uh, it's really cool and really it varies a lot, like people's answers. And you get to see that kind of in the movie, which I feel like is really real. I feel like that's a really good um, I mean, I haven't done the Camino, but I feel like that's a really good example of, I mean, getting all these people to walk this trail. Like, what are you doing there? You know? So like, why, mm-hmm. why did you decide that this was for you? Well, I had um, lived in Pamplona, Spain for school for a little while. And that was kind of my initial introduction to what the Camino was. Uh, I didn't have any interest in walking that long. At some point, I've <laughs> yeah. for most of my life, I've been the self-proclaimed least outdoorsy person in Montana. But I did a couple presentations um, for a couple of my classes. I was required to give a presentation in Spanish to other international students. So I made a, um, a presentation on the Camino and did some research on it myself. And that's actually what got me interested in uh-huh, it okay. at the end of my year there. But I wanted to come back and do that at some point. So fast forward to uh, graduation from college. I've been working a retail job for about 13 years. That uh, It was a good job, but it was just time for a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took that opportunity of a uh, kind of a midlife retirement. To <laughs> end up I taking, like it. <laughs> right. 14 months off total. But to start my retirement, uh, I wanted to go do the Camille. I had the time to do it. Um, it was a perfect time of year. So I wanted to start in July, which may be kind of getting into the good season to do it. Maybe a little later in the year, maybe like August, September, maybe a little better because you're missing the tourist season mm-hmm. and yeah. the uh, days get, get hot, especially through the high plains of central Spain. Okay. Uh, it can get, uh, for somebody like me that doesn't mind heat, it was great. There's some people that just can't handle it. Hmm, okay. So um, I wanted to go back for the San Fermin Festival. I had to visit a couple friends uh, that still live in Pamplona. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the San Fermin Festival. Known to us here is uh, the Running of the Bulls Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes from the uh, 6th to the 14th of uh, July every year. Um, Did you so run I with run, the Bulls? Uh, I... You know, I didn't really advertise this anywhere, but yeah, I did. On uh, the 13th, which is the unlucky day, they say to do it. Uh-oh. Um, this was in the middle of my Camino as well, so it could have ended everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, my third day, I still had my uh, the place I was staying there. Woke up early the next morning. Didn't know if I was going to do it or not for sure. But, um, yeah, I got to the, the starting point, and they kind of build the fences around you, and anybody that... Uh, is there when when it starts oh, man. they make sure you know what you're in for oh my gosh how was that <laughs> uh it was crazy i don't recommend that anybody do it really why it was, was it scary um, um the you know the people are scarier than the bulls you mm. will absolutely get knocked over i got knocked over and sustained a bit of a knee injury but Ooh. i was able just to yeah to, to finish the run and then go back and and grab my bag and pick the Camino up later that morning. Oh my gosh. That's kind of crazy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We only live once. Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh man. Was, uh, yeah, it was, it was exciting. I don't have any picture or video evidence of me doing it. So I didn't really put it on the travel blog mm-hmm. or put it on social media, but yeah, the memory is definitely there in my head. And, yeah. uh, well, bit, and you live to tell exciting, about it. <laughs> but it was it was great. Yeah. It was don't do it. Don't do it. It was great. Don't do it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Love it. Um, okay. So because you lived in Pamplona and did a presentation on the Camino, you were kind of just interested to see what it was like for yourself um as you were starting your midlife retirement, which I love. <laughs> 
Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So what was what was it like to start out by doing this? Like how did you um I mean I feel like this is a a big undertaking, both physically, mentally, emotionally, like everything. Um, because it's a month. It's a month long journey and you're just starting out your your big trip doing this. So what was that like? You know, it was just kind of getting into the the whole mood of Spain by um, getting there just as the the San Fermin Festival is taking off, Mm -hmm. Uh, getting to enjoy that for a little bit, and then um, taking a bus up north to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port to start it. A couple days of, I don't know, quiet meandering, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first day is, is pretty tough, and if you can't do... The first day, well, I mean, that's, it's it's the toughest day, so people shouldn't get discouraged, but there's not really a road or taxis if you can't do it. So the first day can, can end some people's trip. How long is the first day? Uh, I think it was 16 miles. Wow. Uphill, it's, it's up and down the Pyrenees in one day. Wow. It's like making sure that you are really ready to do this, like. Serious yeah. inquiries only, please. You can do that, then then the rest yeah. of it's pretty pretty smooth sailing. Did you spend much time planning this? Like I mean, it's an established enough trip that it wasn't too difficult to to figure out where to stay every day. And um there are multiple points for people to stay every day. I mean, every day is kind of up to you. Some people take several months to do it. I mean, I was chatting with people at some of the pilgrim hostels uh, that were in their 70s and 80s. Wow. We're doing this and they had all the time in the world to do it. Mm -hmm. So they would maybe walk five miles a day or just do the minimum distance. And, you know, it's everyone does their own Camino, they say. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So then is it easy enough to where, like, if you decided to do it tomorrow, could you, I mean, not, I don't know, maybe April is a good time to do it, but like, um, if, if you decided to just figuratively speaking tomorrow, like if you showed up, would, do you think you'd be able to find places to stay? And like, I mean, are there lots of beds? I guess if you're not too picky. Uh, this time of year, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be a season. problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably give them a shout out too. There's an app, or a, yeah, a smartphone app that helped me out a lot with planning the trip and finding places to stay. Yeah. What's that? It's made by wise pilgrim. Let me find it on my phone here. Uh, you can search for it on uh, the Apple store or Google play store, just called Camino Frances. Oh, cool. Okay. Camino uh, Frances. A, a little shell, which is one of the, the principal uh, kind of logos of the trip. So through the app, were you able to like book your places and see where you're going and see a map and all that? Not book them, but it did have some contact information and addresses and was helpful for just kind of letting people know how many places will be available, uh, which is more important toward the end of the trip where you do have to make reservations. Uh, To officially complete the Camino, you have to do the last 100 kilometers of it. To the water? uh, To... Uh, the cathedral, actually. To the cathedral, um, okay. The cathedral is, I suppose, I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, the official end to it, the um, Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, mm-hmm. um, which is on, it's a, a very famous building in Spain. It's on the mm-hmm. national side of their European coins. Did you, speaking of the cathedral, I'm all, I have to, I'm only going off of what I know from this movie. So if this is way <laughs> off, just tell me. But when they got to the cathedral at the end of the, at the, you know, at the end of the movie, they like, there's a thing, there's like a plaque on the wall that says something about like entering on your knees and they did not all of them did, but one of them decided to like get down and like walk in on his knees and they watched this amazing smoke. Like, um, they were like, I don't even know how to explain this, but they were it's like a smoke show almost. That's not the right way to describe it, but it's like ash, like ash smoke. Yeah, like an incense. Yes, that they're Uh. like swinging through the church. Like, you guys are gonna have to watch this movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> but did you see that? Uh, I don't know what that's called, but yeah, it's it's famous. I think um, people actually have because it uses such a huge quantity of that incense. Mm-hmm. Have to have staff there to actually do this. Groups do take up a, a collection. They don't do it at every pilgrim mass, but um, I'd say it happens at know, probably half of them. Uh, okay. It did not happen at the one I went to, okay. but it happened at the one before. Oh, cool. And yeah, it's a big, I don't know, a ceremonial thing of, of incense. And it's yeah. probably three or four. I, I don't know who these people are. I just employees of the church. Mm-hmm. It takes yeah. their body weight to um, pull this as it swings over the yeah, crowd. That is so To get it cool. as low as possible at its, as its apex. Mm-hmm. And then they have to pull up so it goes over the crowd and doesn't hit people. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing to watch. I have seen videos. I am a bit disappointed I didn't get to see it live. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool tradition. Yeah, that's definitely in the movie, of course. I mean, yes. it's a movie. But did you? Okay, d- you said that the the pyramid, the pyramid, the pilgrimage goes to Finisterre, which is actually at the that literally means end of the earth in Latin. And that is on the water. And that is what I was thinking that you were talking about. Did you do that extra bit? Uh, I took a bus there. Okay. Again, I, I didn't have time. It, I think it would be an extra three or four days mm-hmm. to actually walk from Santiago de Compostela uh, to Finisterre. Mm-hmm. But I had to see it. There's the yeah. final marker there that has 0.00 kilometers. Like that is the end. Mm-hmm end of the world and for the pilgrim that is a little bit more ambitious or has more time did not already purchase their return flight uh (laughs) yeah uh, it would be a great walk i know one person that i had been talking with along the way actually did walk the extra four days uh seems like most people don't do it Mm -hmm. oh and this i should mention another tradition that i don't know if that's uh and it's not so cool to do anymore, but people used to burn their backpacks and shoes. You get to Finisterre, get to the cliffs that overlook the water, and um, you can see burnt remains of of backpacks and shoes. I really like my backpack and shoes. But <laughs> yeah. I them. Uh, they they discourage doing that now, just due to all the the litter and yeah. uh, fires. Right. Yeah, huh, I don't encourage I anybody to do that, but it's you'll when you see burnt backpacks at the end or backpack frames, that's why if anybody yeah. goes. I mean, I imagine that it'd be like burning a textbook after like a really horrible semester or something. You're like, good riddance, or maybe if after you've hiked the Camino and you want to just leave something behind, like I could see like how, why people would maybe want to do that and just like leave it all behind, you know, on the trail, but. How, yeah. um, what was like, it like for you when you finished? Like how did you feel that accomplishment? Like, did you feel like, were you proud of yourself? What was it like? I was, it was something I had been looking forward to for 33 days or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a feeling of accomplishment, a feeling that something I had been doing for a long time and had really been enjoying and met some great people was unfortunately coming to an end. Um, so it was a bit bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It was what I'd expected the whole time. So it was, it was okay. a lot of fun. Cool. I did. Yeah. And a, and a happy moment. I did get my official certificate of completion. Oh, something else I should have mentioned. We were talking about planning the trip. There's a nonprofit group out of, uh, it's the closest one to here is Seattle, but you can submit a request to get a, um, it's called the the credential or pilgrim passport that um, all good pilgrims will get stamped at least once a day throughout the trip. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of verifies that when you're trying to check into the pilgrim hostels, um, that you're not just showing up in town, parking your car around the corner, and then trying to stay at one of these places. Uh-huh. That, uh, they don't charge much. Some are just based on donation. Okay. Uh, so it would be... Easy for the uh, less ethical traveler, I suppose, to 
to try to stay right. in one of these places because they are really cool. But um, so you have to have this pilgrim passport with stamps from the last couple of days to stay in these pilgrim hostels. Oh, um, wait a second. You have yes. to get that ahead of time, like order it? Yes. This is news to me. Can you share yeah. the name of this place where you got it? Do you know? I'll or if I'm sure if you just Google like pilgrim passport, it'll probably come up. But yes, or obtain um, pilgrim passport or obtain credential. Um, for Community Santiago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, there's, it was not hard to find this at all. Okay. That's a really good tip. I had no idea that that's not like, I never even thought about that because you, you know that that happens. I mean, I guess I, I knew from, I don't know what, I guess I just thought they give it to you like at the first place or something, but you, know, you can get one at um, the end of day one. If you do the French route, you'll end up at a monastery in a place called Ronces Vice. Uh, it's a, a cool old monastery and it's still, um, a place where monks live and study. Mm-hmm. You can get one there as well. However, it's it's not as cool as the one that you can get um, from a place in the U.S. If you plan ahead a bit. Okay, well, so that's the people a good that were tip. lined up to get the the one in at the monastery in Ronces Vice. They thought the other people's were were pretty cool. <laughs> How far in advance did you have to do that? Uh, I think I did it three weeks ahead of time, and that was and plenty of time. Uh, it ended up being plenty of time. I encourage people to plan a little farther ahead just in case, but I, um, I suppose I got lucky okay. and, and got mine with a week to spare. They say it could take four or five weeks, I think during the busy time. Okay. I think I had mine in two to three. Uh, not everyone should bank on that, but yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think I was a bit fortunate. So can you tell us more about the the posadas, like the places that you stayed, like what was that like? Did you didn't have to plan those in advance, did you? Did you just kind of walk up to um, them? Only for the last hundred kilometers, because okay. so many people do that because it's the shortest distance that you can walk to say that you officially did it. Walk ah, or okay. Mm-hmm. Ride a horse or whatever your preferred mode of transportation is. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose if you're on a bike or a horse, you have to do the last 200 kilometers. Interesting. Why? Uh, because it's easier, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The people are Did you see walking. a lot of people on bikes? Um. Yeah, there were a fair amount of people that were doing it on mountain bikes. Not a lot. I think by far the majority were walking. Okay. Um, I did see one guy fly by me on a scooter. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's not uh, an officially sanctioned way to do it but uh just... everyone can do their own camino i guess yeah i guess that's right okay so back to the back to the or the hostels or posadas or what do you call them um they're called albergues albergues okay that just means that's like a, it's a word for like hotel sort of in spanish i only know it as meaning a pilgrim hostel okay I have not heard or really used the word outside of talking about the Camino. Okay. I have, but, but it's just, I mean, it's in albergo. Is that word? Wait, I might be thinking Italian. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just go with, uh, pilgrim hostels. <laughs> okay. Yes. So they can be. Yeah, it is Italian. Sorry. <laughs> I'm oh. inserting into the wrong language. After the after the language uh, series that we just went through on here, people will forgive me for that one. So continue. <laughs> Privately run. They can be run by the government. And I don't remember what, what that's called now. If I remember it later, I'll just blurt it out. Okay. Um, you'll find those more commonly in the autonomous community of Galicia toward the end. They're a little more regulated there because there's just so much more traffic. And they're used by so many more people. Uh, what are they I'll come back to it later. But um, so some are, are run by the government um, of Spain or of the autonomous communities. Uh, some are in churches and monasteries. A lot of times the ones that are in churches are uh, based on donation. Or they'll tell you that um, 
the previous night's travelers are paying for tonight's supper. Uh, and the donations you give oh. will go to the next night. So you're kind of paying it forward. Oh, that's really forward. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and how was the food? Like, how was the food and how did that work? Was it all like family style? Was it like a huge room full of bunks? Like, what was it like? Um, some were big rooms full of bunks in the churches. Some were just um, like in a loft upstairs uh, on uh, maybe not so comfortable just mats on the floor, uh, no pillows. They would give you um, some sheets that were either washable or maybe disposable. Uh, sometimes you'd be provided with them. Sometimes you'd have to buy them for a little extra. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge range of, yeah. of comfort. And I mean, of course, the, the freer donativo places were, you got by with a little less there. Um, but it was more of a community environment and attitude so people would help cook people would help clean the whole thing was just really community i maybe came across one person on the whole trip that was didn't seem like they were there to to make friends really okay but this is out of hundreds yeah everybody was great there's a, a saying that um if you need something the the Camino provides um, people that were having like foot cramps, leg cramps. You'd see at cafes during the day or at the, the albergues in the afternoon and evening. People that were massage therapists or physical therapists or just were not bad at doing those things <laughs> were giving each other uh, like leg rubs, calf rubs, foot rubs. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was just taking care of one another, and it was it was a really uh, positive people that work at these uh, albergues. I I don't know how they can maintain such a positive attitude, but they seem to love what they do as well. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Did you, if you did it again, would you stay in the same types of places? Like, was it okay for you? Because I, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of at a place in my life, in my travels where I mean, I would not want to sleep in a room with that many people. Like I, I try to avoid dorms just because I, I'm a light sleeper. And so like I need like private spaces. Um, so I'm wondering how that went for you. Like, would you do that again? Or and also another part of this question, are there places for like people who would rather not stay in, you know, um, shared accommodations like that? Mm-hmm. You can get private accommodations, not everywhere. But mm-hmm. they are available. Okay, it probably just takes more planning. Uh, yeah, there's um, yeah, they they cost a little more. They may be a little more like the cost of a traditional hostel or hotel or a private room. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what are you talking about costs, by the way? Like, how cheap were these places? I think the cheapest I got away with staying for a night was. Um, just a suggested donation of five or 10 euro. Okay. And that included a bed and that included dinner too. What did that include? I believe it did include a uh, community dinner, which um, meant helping cook, clean, uh, that sort of thing. Kind of do your part. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, maybe the most expensive was 15 or 20. Okay. Uh, I did stay one place. Um, I had met a group of seven Spaniards, which I still uh, chat with every so often. Hmm, We've got a a running WhatsApp group and check in with each other every so often on birthdays and other events. We ended up not being able to find a place. This was toward the end of the the Camino. And if if you're not there early, you may not have a – either a place or a cheap place. Mm-hmm. So we did end up finding um, a little place out of town that was on a farm um, that ended up being pretty nice, which ran a little more, but um, to have like private quarters and actual <laughs> laundry and um, like shower facilities was, was great. <laughs> so I think anybody will hold it against me that I actually stayed in a, 
a little more of a, a non albergue type of situation mm. for a night. Yeah, no way. I would definitely do that. Uh, do you mean that there weren't like showers available? <laughs> Sometimes they were uh, cold showers. Mm. Sometimes they were like locker room showers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, oh, my favorite one, I think, you know, in, I don't know, like maybe I see this more when I'm traveling like on the sink where it has the little button that slowly has like the time release that comes out and stops the water. Uh, yeah. A shower with a hot one of those and a cold one of those that kind of came out at different rates. Oh. So it was... Like sitting in the boiling river? Hot, second. cold, hot, cold. <laughs> it was exactly like that. That's a perfect <laughs> analogy, Chucky. Yeah, Except no one's going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> they can look it up. Yeah. But yeah, burning or freezing or maybe a split second of perfect water. <laughs> uh, maybe no water. Oh, the adventures of travel. <laughs> so did you bring your own sleeping bag and like stuff did, did, or a sleep sheet or something? Like, did you have sleeping stuff with you? Yeah, I, I did have to go do, as I mentioned, being one of the least outdoorsy people in Montana for so long. I did have to go to REI. And mm-hmm. or maybe uh, I went to a, an unnamed sporting goods store. Here oh, you in can town. say REI. I love REI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to REI and, and had a bit of a shopping spree. Um, nice. Uh, I love a good nice. excuse to shop at REI. <laughs> yes. Got a. I had the the sleeping bag that was rated for I don't know like thirty degrees or something. Nothing crazy. Okay. Um, that was okay. Got a nice compression sack for it and got mm-hmm. a couple stuff sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just fill um, maybe a stuff sack with clothes or jackets, something like that for a pillow and Mm -hmm. sleep on that. And how was that? Did that work okay for you? It was fine. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not a light sleeper. I can fall asleep about anywhere on a hard floor if needed. Uh, And after walking for, I don't know, eight to 30 miles a day, most of the time Mm -hmm. getting to sleep really wasn't that hard okay yeah <laughs> but um imagine. so sleeping bag makeshift pillow had a couple like usb batteries and chargers oh yeah that i would like charge up the phone and camera with yep the day not it was it was pretty simple i had just in the backpack was like a toiletry bag sleeping bag a couple stuff sacks to divide up some gear. Mm-hmm. Any other key things that you'd recommend people bring that helped you out? Or like, did you end up, I do this a lot, but I end up wearing when I'm on hiking trips, I end up wearing like the same clothes, like every day, like you really don't need much because you get into your routine of like what works and what's comfortable. And you just wear that like all the time. Is that what happened with you? Pretty much. Yeah. If, yeah. if when I go through and look at my pictures, it, it looks like everything happened on the same like couple days. <laughs> there you go. Me too. <laughs> I brought maybe like five days worth of clothes. And after getting into it a couple days, I definitely had my favorites and uh, the good comfortable clothes. Um, but yeah, I definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, a washing machine was a, a welcome sight. I bet. Days, that's I for bet. sure. Did you ever use one of those? um, Did you ever wash your clothes on your own? Yeah. I still don't really know the right way to do it. But there's those (laughs) the little trough that goes into a sink with the kind of um, ridges on it. Yeah. The washboard. uh, washboard. Why they call it a washboard? (laughs) Because of that. (laughs) Because, yeah. They have this really cool thing now called the scrubba bag. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, No, I haven't. What is that? um, It's it's. It's uh, it's looks like a dry bag. So it's like the same, like you can imagine a dry bag, but it has on the inside, like little nubs that are meant to be a washboard and a little drain out the bottom. And so you can fill it with like hot water and soap and you can um, roll it down so that your clothes are, you know, just in it. You can like let the air out and then you can like rub it around and like it's meant to be like a, a an inside out washboard, like inside a bag. And so you can like wash your clothes inside your bag and then you can dump out the water and like rinse and drain out the little drain hole and everything. It's it's actually pretty cool. But I imagine something like that would be awesome 
for a trip like the Camino because then all you need is access to water and then you could bring your own soap, you know, and you can use like biodegradable soap and you can do it even outside like in river or whatever, you know, if you, if you have biodegradable soap, you can do it anywhere. Um, yeah. Sounds ingenious. Yeah. I've, I've used it in Patagonia a couple of times and I, I'm a fan of that, but I think that sounds like a good idea. The, the USB charger sounds like a good idea. And then, oh, I mean, I never go anywhere without that anyway. Yeah. I would absolutely bring a sleeping bag and probably some sort of little pillow if if it were me, plus like my melatonin and earplugs and eye mask and all the good things to help me sleep. And then I guess the layers. Yeah, I'd probably just bring like two of everything just to like have what like the set of like what you're used to. But really, all you need for a trip like this is a super minimal. Layers are important, though, like waterproof layers and then breathable layers. Like that's what you need. And mm-hmm. then what about for shoes? I would absolutely bring a pair of flip-flops for showers um, yes. and changing after. But then you just have like your one set of good walking shoes, right? Did you use boots or shoes or what did you use? Um, I just used some, I think they're just Merrill, kind of like a light hiking shoe. Mm-hmm. They were They were perfect. Uh, fortunately due to the job I had, uh, just before I finished this, I, I would walk maybe eight or nine miles a day according to the Fitbit. <laughs> so my feet were pretty well conditioned. Mm-hmm. I had a little trouble with blisters and things. And you knew uh, your shoes by then. And yeah, the yeah. shoes were, were well broken in. Yeah. That's really important too. That would be, I yes. think a really good, really good tip is like, make sure you know your shoes. I always say that with my Patagonia trips too. It's just get them now, start wearing them, break them in. You're going to be in them every day. Make sure you love them. And hopefully you don't want to burn them when you get to the end of the Camino. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just had, I think I brought a pair of lighter, like running shoes that I thought I might need that I pretty much just took for a, a tour of Spain. I think oh, I used them twice. Wow. So the hiking boots, the, the running shoes, a pair of flip-flops and... And that's it. Yeah. Maybe not the running shoe. Maybe just choose one of those. Yeah. Yeah. The running shoes have a thin uh, tread. So I don't recommend those. There were people that were switching out their hiking boots. They were wearing Crocs for part of it, which I didn't know those really still existed, but uh, (laughs) in Spain. And apparently they're hugely comfortable. You wear your Crocs with your socks. Yeah. You could just walk all day. I wouldn't recommend it, but some people were, were switching out the hiking shoes with those. And um, Wow. If you had Crocs, you wouldn't need any other pairs of shoes because you could also take those into the shower and wear them as slippers and like all the things. But you could. You could if that could. is your style. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so do you have, I know we're getting kind of short on time, but do you have any like special memories that you would like to share from that? Or do you have like a favorite memory or something that really stood out to you about the trail that would like only happen on the Camino sort of thing? Yeah. So anybody that's listening to this and um, is thinking about going, there is a tradition where you bring a rock, a small rock or stone from your home. Uh, You carry it with you to uh, a place called the Cruz de Faro, Mm. which, um, is a like a telephone pole, I suppose, about that size of a thing. Uh, it's a cross. And there's a line um, there. It's usually a line throughout the day. Everyone kind of gets a, a personal moment there. Like the stone represents something that you want to leave behind. Maybe um, mm. personal struggle, problem, something like that. So you've carried this small stone with you for the trip. You walk up to the Cruz de Faro, which it's about <laughs> half submerged now by a small <laughs> hill of small stones. A mountain of rocks. <laughs> yeah. Mountain of, yeah, pretty much. Um, and you make your peace with whatever this rock represents and then you leave it there and continue on your way. So it's a, it's a cool experience. There's an amazing sunrise that morning, uh, a cool tradition that is not as well known, but Things Anybody that's that, done a bit of research before the Camino, I think we'll probably come across this at some point. Mm-hmm. It's also in the movie. <laughs> I'm 
I got to watch this movie. Maybe I'll do it It's tonight. so good, really. Like, it makes me want to watch it again. Um, it really... It, I, I, like I said, I think it, it's so far, it's done a really good job. Um, even just with what you've been saying. Oh, it's Martin Sheen. Sorry. Wrong person. It just, okay. Martin Sheen. That's the, that's Emilio Estevez's dad and Charlie Sheen's dad, of course. Yeah. Uh, yes. But in the movie, it's real. It's Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, which is cool. I don't, I had the wrong person in mind, but yeah, yeah. the way. Yeah. Watch the way it's, it's, uh, it has a, it, I think I think it does a pretty good job representing. That's cool about the rock. I didn't realize the rock was from like where you come from. That's a neat little tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um I could ask you so many more questions, but I'm gonna go ahead and end this here because we gotta leave some sort of mystery for those people. Anything that you just have to add, like anything else that people need to know about the Camino or anything else you wanna say? Man, I feel like I've just been going from one tangent to the next. If people do go through Pamplona around the running of the bulls uh, time of year, uh, July 6th through 14th, uh, stay at a city before Pamplona, stay at one after. Every place is completely booked up there. You will have to be pretty lucky to actually find a place in Pamplona if you'd like to walk there and uh, mm. enjoy the festivities for a day or two. So, uh, meant to bring that up earlier, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So be careful around that, that area, that time of year. Otherwise Pamplona is an amazing city, um, has a lot to offer. If somebody has not spent time there, um, I'd recommend getting to know the city for a good day or half a day. Any, um, anything else along the way that like people shouldn't miss? There is um, also on the French route, this is maybe somewhat easy to miss, but um, in south of Navarra, as you're getting into the wine country, um, getting close to La Rioja, um, which is Navarra and La Rioja are two autonomous communities of Spain, kind of like a state or province. Mm -hmm. um, that people will spend a fair amount of time in on the Camino. There is a, um, their word for a winery is a bodega. Uh, it can mean different things mm -hmm. from different countries and cultures, but uh, the bodegas are the wineries there. And there's one um, that has a water spigot where you can fill up your water bottle. And right next to it is a wine spigot where you can just fill up a bottle of wine. <laughs> nice. And that's super cool. Where was that again? Uh, that was in the in the south of Navarra, okay. uh, close to the border with La Rioja. Okay. Mm. That and sounds good. I mean, if you're really into your music or talking with some people, it's easy to miss. But most people are kind of looking for it. It's it's kind of famous for cool. that area. Yeah. And I think um, along most people's path, it will be probably within the first five or six days of their Camino. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a little gated courtyard just off the Camino. So it's, uh, someone that's, that's really looking for it. will be able to find it. And I highly suggest they don't miss it. <laughs> Fill up that wine people. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. This is Spain. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. The wine is cheaper than water in most places. Not a joke. Yeah. No, it's not a joke in a lot of places actually. Cool. Anything else? Little surprises along the way? Visits. I mean, there's things that I, I heard about after I'd passed that I'd missed. Everyone's Camino is their own. If you're maybe meant to find something, then you'll come across it one way or another. And if maybe it wasn't wasn't in the books, see it next time. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many little treasures and things along the way that, I mean, it's, it's kind of a trade-off. I'd say just if something presents itself, take the time to check it out. There's a lot of cool uh, cathedrals and churches, restaurants. I don't know. I think it's it's pretty hard to go wrong, to be honest. That sounds so cool. Just like, I, I love the whole idea of like, it's your own. Make the, it's, you know, everybody kind of has their own Camino and of course you're going to come across things other people aren't. I mean, that's like, that's travel. Um, yes. It's like a really good 
I think representation of like travel as a whole, actually, uh, if something presents itself, it's meant for you. I love that. I wouldn't steer anybody out of their way to go see something because they might miss something else. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Well, thank you for sharing some great tips with us and um, some stories and things about your adventure on the Camino. Uh, If somebody wants to maybe, I don't know, read more about your story. I know you have a blog that you kind of kept while you were there. Do you want to share that? Uh, Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So it's at the, uh, it's a WordPress site. You can find it um, roamingstoner.wordpress.com. That's because my last name is Stoner. Yeah. His his last name really is Stoner, Bryson Stoner. So (laughs) roamingstoner.wordpress.com. You're not trying to be tricky with that one. (laughs) It's based on my brows, but. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Awesome. Um, Well, Bryson, thank you very much for your time. And yeah, safe travels in the future. And um, yeah, on behalf of everybody, just thank you. And we'll catch you later. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to to relive this. And yeah, really appreciate the invitation. It's been a pleasure, Jackie. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Adios. Adios. Okay, seriously, guys, after listening to that, go watch The Way or put it on your watch soon list and you'll be wanderlusting to do the Camino. It sounds and looks like such an adventure and I love that its reputation of make it your own precedes it because you can go for any reason with or without friends and just do it your own way, whatever that looks like for you. Um, So I hope that you guys found that helpful. Um, And if you end up inspired to walk the Camino after this, let me know. You can find me at Traveling Jackie on Instagram. Um, Thanks again to Bryson for giving us a peek into the world of how to do the Camino. And thanks to you guys for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.